Welcome to episode 197 of the Batflip Crazy podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Tonight is edition number 101 of Bub and the Batflip. Bub and I will cover rounds 10 through 23 of our recent First Pitch Arizona 15-team draft and hold draft. I'm going through some analysis on a bunch of different players, I guess. Let's see, 10 through 23, so that's... 13 picks each, 14 picks each, and times two, so at least close to 30 players you're going to get some analysis on. So hope you enjoy it. We also answer a bunch of listener questions. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, please do leave a rating and review um, on iTunes. Always appreciate that. You can reach me on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. You can reach Bubba on Twitter at BDNTrek. Let's get this party started. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Bat Flip, episode 101, part three of our first pitch Arizona draft and hold recap, the final part of the recap. But it's been a fun exercise in uh, some 2022 draft planning. You can find myself on Twitter at BDentric and my co-host, as always, on Twitter at Bat Flip Crazy. Toby, how we doing, man? Uh, doing well, Bubba. You know, it's a celebratory podcast tonight as uh, it looks like Atlanta is going to win the World Series. So I'm wearing the smallest Braves hat you can find anywhere uh, in the world right now. Um, it's a great hat. It's Just a great, a little, that's a great it's a logo. a little too small. I might yeah. change over to uh, my prediction for next year's world champion um, after, after my head loses circulation and I start, um, you know, passing out or forgetting things. So yeah. Well, yeah, it looks like they're going to take it. It's like the eighth inning now. I think it's seven nothing. Freed got the job done, which was good to see. But um, yeah, we'll see. Any, anything can happen, but I think it's pretty much in the books, as you mentioned. Yeah. But uh, it is very, very fun to see. But we have a lot of good listener questions, so we'll get to those here, and we'll get through the last like twelve, thirteen rounds of this draft a lot quicker. We're just kind of mainly focus on our picks and kind of scroll through some others because again, it's impossible to read this draft board. Hopefully, soon it'll be available for everybody on NFBC. To check out, but we'll start things out with round 11 because we got through round 10. And um, good old Dave McDonald's, he needs steals, so he went with Miles Straw to kick off round 11. Then he went Travis Darnode, uh, Guriel, um, yeah, that guy, um, Brendan Rogers, Christian Vasquez, Urquidy, Posey, um, another guy, Blake Snell, and then, um, I believe this is my pick. No, my pick's coming up. Then, um, I can't, it looks like Paul Canerco, it's not Paul Canerco. Um, Chris Taylor, uh, Logan Ryan, and also I went past mine. My bad. That's like we can't read anything here. Yeah, I know. I know. For uh, folks who are listening and maybe didn't listen to the previous podcast, uh, we're working off of like a picture because we don't have the actual draft board available to us. So we're just looking at this really hazy picture where we kind of know who the players are that have been drafted, but aren't like 100% sure. 
Maybe well, if we one, just stick to ours, then we'll know. There we go. We'll do that because the one that uh, I didn't figure out what it was until I realized it was my tweet team. My 11th round pick was my uh, fifth starting pitcher, my SP5 in round 11, Ranger Suarez. And it's one guy that I know is going to be a controversial guy throughout the off season here because, you know, if you guys listen to the show long enough, uh, we know Toby especially. And then I even jumped on board. We attacked him for a closer role because he was filthy good. Then the, the Phillies go, you know what, we're going to trade for Ian Kennedy. Let's uh, transition Suarez to the starting rotation because we need starting pitching. Okay. Well, I dropped him because I needed innings and strikeouts, but little did I know he could have won me a league probably if I would have hung on there. But they really didn't give like a, a real solid explanation of how they're going to do it with him. I almost feel like they're going to go Rays style. They did not. After about four starts, it went three innings, two and two thirds, four and a third, four and two thirds. From August 24th on, it was five plus innings, pretty much six plus innings in every start. Uh, quality start in every one of them. And he had five or more Ks in every one of them. The dude was absolutely ridiculous in that rotation. Uh, the Phillies will need them at uh, – <laughs> Nick Pollock, by the way, asked, how can we podcast at a time like this because of the World Series going on? It's a blowout, Nick. Pitching's done. But um, Ranger Suarez got the job done uh, for the rotation, and the Phillies should need him again ne next year. The question is how far can he go in the season? But that's one of those I guess I'll live with when we get there. I know there's some questions. Can he keep up the pitch mix that he had and be consistently good at it? We shall see. But, um, yeah, I'm going to go with – I went with Ranger Suarez in round 11 with my, as my fifth starting pitcher because, like I've said, the first two shows uh, recapping this podcast – Starting pitching is ridiculously deep, and I'd be like drafting and drafting and going, okay, I should go somewhere else. But one of the things we learned or didn't learn, we talked about in like the NFPC uh, portion of the the the, the not classes, but the, like the lectures or whatever, and some other ones is, you know, make your list, go with your guys. Don't just think you have to fill out your roster and fill out your roster later. I kept seeing value to me at the pitching position. I could be wrong, so I'm with Ranger Suarez because the other thing is we talked about Toby in previous things is. In uh, DC's, especially draft and holds, um, outfield, you need to get a lot of outfielders. And starting pitching can get crazy. So you might want to fill up either that or long relievers, something like that. So I went the starting pitching route. I went with Andrew Suarez. Yeah, and Suarez, is is, he's going to be really interesting to see where he goes. I was interested to see, you know, kind of where he went. You know, there's some regression with the with the low BABIP and the high strand rate, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of the things that you would look for in a really good pitcher. You know, the walk rate was, you know, around league average, but the strikeout rate was still high. He had a nice swinging strike rate. Um, he also was okay. He was pretty good in the zone, and he generates almost 60% ground balls, you know, which is definitely a major benefit and much higher than his career, his previous career average. He also had 0.34 home runs per nine. So um, his home run per fly ball was was 5.8%, which is bound to regress. Yeah. But even with regression, I mean, he could still be a really valuable pitcher. So I like, you, you I like know, that pick. You know who he reminds me of? And we'll see if he's the better version or the younger, like cheaper version. He has a lot of Framber Valdez traits to me mm. the ground ball rates but then the walk rates that could also lead to home runs at times and we saw we saw the good and the bad of framber this year and as the year went on it got pretty bad we'll see if uh ranger kind of has I, I wouldn't be shocked if we see articles this but this offseason that kind of compare the two because there's a lot of a lot of similarities i think suarez has a better strikeout arsenal i'll say that for sure but i see a lot of similarities as well yeah so yeah it'll be interesting too because i mean with the dh probably coming suarez yeah. loses that kind of thing too. Luster. So yeah, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting for sure. Um, I drafted with my 11th round pick. I went with um, Jared Kelnick. Um, so, uh, you know, 
I like Kelnick a lot. I think the batting average is really the only major question that I have. And even though, you know, I have a question about it and it doesn't necessarily fit my team that well, you know, throughout the minor leagues, like he had a pretty decent batting average throughout. It hasn't been a huge issue. The strikeout rate, I think is a major factor in there, but if he can, if he can winnow that down, I think he's definitely a 2010 guy. He's going to play every day. If he moves up in the lineup, he should be pretty decent OBP wise as well. He's always had a pretty good eye. Um, as I understand it. So I really like him as just like a very, I think a very good floor with a very high ceiling um, because of the power speed combination, the improving team on the Mariners. Um, so yeah, I, that's, that's the way that I went. I needed some outfield. I need some hitters. I need some speed. And so I was able to address that um, with, with Kelnick. Yeah, no, I like that. That's one that I think as the off season goes on and people kind of get the sour taste out of their mouth, He's going to start climbing back up boards again because you know it and you've seen it when other people see it and you kind of dig deeper into what he's done. And even just like that last month of production, mm-hmm. you started to see kind of, okay, this is the guy we thought we we're going to get. He's getting comfortable. He's kind of, you know, I, I could see next year him taking that next step and we're going to see him go higher in drafts, I think for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally, I totally agree. Once people digest that, that September that he had, like you mentioned, I, I think he's, so. he's one of the guys that it's a perk to draft early. Cause if come February, you're going to probably have to pay like four rounds earlier, at least for him. I, I, yeah. Maybe not four, but I, I wouldn't be shocked actually. And I mean, how old is he? He's like 20 something. Like what, how old is he? He's uh, I, 22 and yeah. three months, super young guy. We've seen the way that development can happen with these high end prospects. So. Yep. For sure. Who's your 12th round pick? Oh man, I get to go twice in a row. Sweet. Uh, my 12th round pick, reading through the haze here, uh, was Sean Manaya. Uh, I had Manaya like a lot of places this year. He was fantastic. I mean, he was, there was definitely a lot of, there was a lot of volatility in his performance, I will say. He had a couple stretches, including the end of the year, where he was brilliant. And then he had one stretch in particular where he was just god awful. And the challenge with that is if you stuck with him throughout, you know, you got a really nice season from a 230-ish ADP pick, 3.91 ERA, 1-2-3 whip, 194 strikeouts in 179 innings. You know, he even has a little bit of maybe positive regression heading his way with the 3.18 BABIP. You know, the strand rate was, was decent. The home runs per nine was the highest it's ever been in his career. Um, at the same time, like that strikeout rate was solid. The K minus walk was 20.3%. The fastball velo was up, which made everything play higher. You look at the projections, 366 ERA, 1.16 from Steamer, 179 strikeouts and 179 innings playing in Oakland. Oakland's going to be a really bad team, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they moved Manaya. I actually think I saw somebody mention this on Twitter. I actually think this is a great, would be a great spot for him would be the Giants. Yeah, it would be. It really would be. Like kind of a Zito 2.0 all over again. Yeah. You, should, you guys should do that. I want Erod first. Give me Erod. You want Erod, huh? That's my boy. Put him in that ballpark. Give me Erod. Okay. He's a, he's a free agent. Send him over. Let's go. Get oh, him. is he a free agent? I think I think him and Stroman. I don't want both of them in orange and black. Stroman there would be great. You He'd know, be ground ball. Yep. Yeah. Give me both those guys in that rotation with maybe Gosman for another year and uh, Webb. Let's dance. Yeah. So we'll cool. see. All right. My 12th round pick uh, mentioned last podcast that catcher started, they're, they're, they're flying off. Like I almost got Grandall at one point. Simeon got me there. And I there's some other guys I had circled. So 
a guy that I think early draft season, you're going to get a discount. Later in draft season, things are going to change a little bit. And that's Kyber Ruiz of the uh, the Washington Nationals. This is one of the big pieces in the Scherzer and Trey Turner trade. This was like one of the biggest pieces in that trade. We know the hit tool's always been there, but he's been blocked in L.A. There's been nowhere for him to go. When he came over the Nationals, he started basically playing with them from August 30th on, and he hit 284. Um, only two home runs, but the power we've seen in the minors is, is there, so I'm not too worried about that. Only a 280 BABIP, so I'm happy there. The biggest thing I liked, a 4.5% strikeout rate. This guy's plate discipline is elite. Like things you, it's very hard to teach a young ball player. It's it's really really good. And he's 23 years old, so he's super super young. And what we saw is when they first called him up, he was kind of platooning a little bit with Riley Adams. That stopped quickly, and he was basically the main man and the strong side of the platoon. If there was one, hitting fifth or sixth in the lineup, pretty much as the season went on. So if I can pencil in a guy like Kyber Ruiz. Um, hitting fifth or sixth for the Nationals. Again, a team won't be that good, but they will be. They still have Soto. They still have weapons in that lineup. And you look at the steamer, they got him hitting 269 with 16 home runs. Um, I think he could probably hit a better average than that personally. I, I think there's more to that batting average, which is hard to find at the catcher's position. So um, I, this is a guy that I think will go a little earlier once uh, draft season starts really ranking up, and I, I got him as my catcher one. Yeah. No, oh. Solid pick. I like that one. All right, my next pick in round uh, 13, I was I, I don't know if I'm just like pumped because I'm always like Lourdes Gurriel is my my boy. Like you have you have Yuli, I have Lourdes, like we have the brothers. Um I, I'm just a huge Lourdes fan. And the year started out rough, really, really rough for Lourdes Gurriel, but he was the epitome of just you know, trust the baseball card. That that's the best thing I can say is in in 2019 and 84 games, he had 277 with 20 home runs, six RBIs, or I mean six stolen bases. This past year, 276, 21 home runs. Um, and it really was mainly the second half of the season. It wasn't even the first. The first half was dreadful, absolutely dreadful. But he really got it going in the second half, um, cranked it up, and actually hit better in the harder ballpark to hit in, if that makes any sense. So that kind of gives me a little more confidence as well. Uh, when you talk Lourdes Gurriel, again, he's 28 years old, so he's not super old by any means. Um, and one of the things I really, really liked, and I'll double-check before I really say something I might not, maybe shouldn't say, is um yeah oh, no it's like 11 games so say, he's all, say it now research yeah, it later he's only gonna have outfield eligibility if he did it, in season he had first base because he played 11 games there so he he got it in season but he won't have it to start next season that was huge in draft and holds because i had him in some of those and i first base was falling like flies towards the end of the year so i like lord Curry a lot phenomenal lineup he's gonna be hitting in I think he got his confidence back because they stuck with him. Like there was a point there they thought maybe Gritch could take over or somebody. They kept going with him. He'll add a little bit of speed, but the power is there. He's going to drive guys in, and uh, the batting average is always pretty slow with Lourdes. So uh, I liked him a lot because I think they'll they'll move him around again next year. I wouldn't be surprised at some point next year we get multi-position eligibility out of him again. So I got Lourdes Gurriel in round 13. Nice. Um and then with my 13th round pick, I went with uh, Michael Kopech. Um, might be a little early, you know, to grab Kopech and to draft and hold, though. Those middle relievers have a lot of value. Um, and he could be in the rotation next year. I mean, I think the chances are that he probably is in the rotation. When you look at how well he pitched, I mean, he was, he was phenomenal um, this year. You know, I actually had him on a few teams those last week or two just because he was so good. But um, 
30, 36.1% strikeout rate, 8.4% walk rate. So the control is a little iffy, but a 27.7 K minus walk, 14.1 swinging strike rate. You know, he pretty much does everything. He dominates inside the zone. You know, the ERA was higher than it probably should be. The one, one, three whip. I mean, this guy just, he, he could be absolutely phenomenal. And when you look at the steamer projection for him, obviously it's only 156 innings, but 375 ERA, 118 whip, 196 strikeouts in 156 innings. And he did go 70 innings. So, you know, the question is, you're probably not going to get 180 out of the guy. But if you can get 150, if you can even get 130, and he can maintain some of those ratios that Steamer's projecting him for, or even better, you know, if he can kind of um, continue to succeed when he's in the rotation outside of the, the bullpen, then he could be a real, even at this spot, he could be a real upside pick. So I was really pleased at that. He was a guy that I wanted to get. Um, yeah, no, I had a star next to Kopik. I didn't know if I was going to take him then, but he was one of the guys that was on my list to kind of circle back to each round because the ceiling for Michael Kopek is very, very high. Very yeah. high, especially if they let him do something. So I, I like that a lot. And I think one thing is they'll be in contention again, so they might kind of temper him at times, but they're going to want him pitching all season. So it's not like he's just going to get shut down. You could see a Freddie Peralta thing, potentially, with him. Ooh, that's a really good comp. You could see a that. super good comp. Um, we'll super see. Super good I, comp. I think they'll still want to be kind of timid because of the TJ surgeries, but I could see that kind of deal where all of a sudden, you know, in August, September, you might see a little bit, but they still pull him out there. And three or four rings of Michael Kopech could still be pretty darn good. No Ws, but still that strikeout stuff's mm. primo. So something to think about with Kopech. I, I like him a lot. I was torn on where to take him. So I don't blame you for taking him there because, like I said, the ceiling, ridiculous. Like, he could outperform Ranger Suarez, who I took two rounds earlier, easily. Wouldn't be shocked. But um, they could also do some wonky stuff. So um, I think he's a very, very intriguing pick for sure. I got bad news, Bubba. What? You starred him, but I drafted him. Yes, you did. You did. <laughs> this time around. I know for a uh, fact we'll be in at least one more draft it? together that I finished second in uh, last year. And... Um, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, assu- I'm assuming if, I'm assuming you're gonna assuming you'll come back and, and try to I just I just buried myself there, folks. Just realized I just I just I just made my grave telling Toby that I beat him and um, he won't beat you me. You did again. beat me. You but, beat uh, me. <laughs> I mean although I forgot, I forgot last week I said you beat me in the one league we played together, but we also did yeah. barf together. You and smoked I beat me you there. I do you have beat you there. I am yeah, I'm looking forward to the barf format changing. I'll tell you that much. I just I, cause I already cut out multiple leagues that have different formats now. I'm trying to almost do all yeah. PC stuff because so, it makes it so tough, man. So is it changing for sure? Uh, unless something changes again from what we talked about, they're going to work on getting it all in NPC. Oh man, that'd be so great. It'll make, it'll make things a lot. One better. one fewer league on fan tracks. Yep. Yep. So we'll get, we'll get that rolling there for sure. Uh, was that your 13th round or 14th round pick? Uh, that was my 13th round pick. My 14th round pick was Reese. Hoskins, Ooh, my boy, your boy, man. I'm just, I'm just getting your start guys all yeah. over the place. Um, Hoskins, you know, health has been an issue. I don't know if I love this pick. I mean, I think there's, you, you know, I mean, let's just look at what Reese did this past year. He was he really good when I mean, he was he under the radar. Yep. He yeah, did. When he was playing, he, he really did well. 247 batting average. So not hurting you. And if you look at his batting averages, you know, 259. 246, 226, 245, 
247. Spot the outlier, right? Yep. It's the 226 batting average. That's the outlier right there. And so, you know, he's projected for 236. I feel very comfortable with him at 245 or so because he still doesn't strike out. You know, he still walks a ton. He's in a great lineup. He's in a great ballpark. Obviously, the injuries are an issue, but he's going to be one more year removed from, you know, that the surgery or whatever he had with his shoulder or arm. I don't even know why he was injured. It was his abdomen. So hopefully he's going to be okay. But, I mean, I was looking a little bit for some pop here, and I feel really good about uh, Reese Hoskins. And a little bit of speed from your first Mm -hmm. baseman. I mean, he's projected for five stolen bases from Steamer and 608 plate appearances. Yep. So I feel I feel pretty good about this. I was like, uh, do I want to just go with the, this type of power guy? But I feel like at this point in the draft, you know, it's a guy who, if he's healthy and he's playing, I feel very confident he's going to hit 30-plus bombs and um, help me out in counting stats as well. Just hearing you say all those things makes me want to send you that gif of that little guy with the ball of yarn and the heart thing come out because you said that you always send out there because – I've said almost all those things before, and people go, "Oh no, he can't do this." I'm like, just look at this, look at it. Like, this is what he does. And like, I get, and then you saying it though, that's going to back up some some good stuff. So, like, he's not he's not like going to be a, like a Freddie <clears throat> Freeman, but where you draft him at, he's going to do so much for your team. And even when he was held, like, I know he wasn't healthy all season, but he put up really good numbers. He goes through massive slumps. I'll say that much. So you got to be patient. But when he's hot, he's hot, hot. So um, that'd be my one thing. If anybody drafts Reese Hoskins, when he goes in a slump, it's not pleasant at all. But yeah. the second you bench him, you're going to regret it. So you just kind of ride that one out type thing. But uh, yeah, well, and he, let, let's say like last year, he was going around the same spot. I think he was going around pick yep. like 180 or so. Yep. You know, what if I said he was going to give you 247 batting average, 27 home runs, 64 RBI, 71 RBI. Mm-hmm. Um, five, and three stolen bases in 443 plate appearances. And then for, you know, that month and a half that he's out, you get to stream a guy in that. You know, in like pick up Jesus Aguilar or something. Exactly. Yeah, it works I mean, just it's, fine. It's great. Give me the same production. Yep. If he gives me 450 plate appearances, I'm fine with him at that spot. Yep. But he's not right. going to. He's going to give me like 850. He's going to break the record. Easily. He's going to do it all because you know why? Because he was in a trivia contest with us. We beat him. So that's You're right. That's he was hard. in a trivia contest, which speaking of which, is it December fourth, it's coming back. We're gonna bring the team back together. I've got, got to reach out to people, but if anybody's interested, it's a baseball-related trivia that my brother he runs a nonprofit called Keep Playing Baseball. KeepPlayingBaseball.org. They do a um, they do a like trivia night, and it all raises money for the nonprofit, which helps uh, kids who are uh, students who are in high school, play baseball in college. It provides free recruiting advice, stuff like that. Um, It's a great organization. My brother runs, and it's also a fantastic, fun time. And Reese Hoskins was there. Um, He's And so was um, Andrew Knapp. Andrew Andrew Knapp Knapp was there as well um, as part of it. So we're going to have a team together. We had a a loaded team. Bubba's excellent at trivia. We had Sammy Reed. We had Alex Chamberlain, Brian Slack. That was fun. Is that was that our whole team or Justin Mason? Justin I think Mason. that was our whole team there. I think that, that was, was our team. it. Yeah, we're gonna have to bring that back. But you know, John Fish played as well. He brought a team mm-hmm. together, which was awesome. So hopefully, we'll get a few teams from from Twitter and from podcast listeners. 
I think it's uh, I think it's like twenty five bucks or. Yeah, it's not much at all. And then yeah. you can buy raffle tickets. Like I want a Rick. It's up there on Ricky Fowler. Oh, yeah, you want a Ricky Fowler cleat. Yeah, like you. There's yeah. all kinds of cool stuff that the money goes to a great cause. So. Uh, sure. it, it's fun. I'm looking forward to that. I'm glad it's I'm glad it's coming back. That's awesome. Ooh, maybe we could have my brother on like for a small segment to like Bring it. to pitch Bring it to it. the listeners. More the more Oof, the merrier. Man. Bring it on. Two Gavons yeah. on the same podcast. That might be dangerous. Yeah, I'm just gonna put my my mic on mute and walk away. I was kidding. Well, <laughs> I mean, you guys, Bubba is a trivia master. Like he was. At least 75% of our right answers came from Bubba, I would say, <laughs> on that. And we have a very smart team. Don't get we me do. wrong. But Bubba was, like, on it. There were some tough ones, though. Like, there were some very tough ones. There were some tough And some ones. that were worded weird that I will still fight to this day. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's okay. That happens. Yeah. It happens. It's not yeah. professional trivia. Hey, and his brother's not in charge of that. They have a, a group that does it. It's a professional trivia thing that does it, so. Totally, other thing. Totally, totally. But, all right, back to the draft. My 14th round pick um, – in, in, in draft and holds, I like to try to get positional flexibility if I can. It's not always a must, but I try. And so Eduardo Escobar stood out to me in round 14 quite a bit. Uh, he's second base and third base eligible going into 2022. Um, he missed first base by two games, so that's a bummer. But he still gets second base, third base, middle infield, corner infield. That's mm-hmm. going to come in handy in a big way. The biggest question mark with Escobar is he's a free agent. So where does he land? Yeah, so that'll be, at least according to Fangrass, free agent in 2022. So that'll... That'll be a question. You'd think Milwaukee might try to bring him back because he actually that flexibility is something they could use in a big way at times. Um, but some team will like he'd probably fit perfect in Toronto, moving all over the place. Like there's certain teams where he'd slide in very nicely. Um, one thing he does well, uh, he hits for power, 25-ish home runs, give or take. A little bit of speed, not a ton, but he's gonna hit for average. And like I said, the flexibility is what I wanted. So I took a Escobar there in round 14. And then I went on a pitching run, and this one will be short and sweet, but we've talked about it on this show. I know I've talked about it on other shows and just getting people's – I got asked Spore uh, on one of my shows recently, Justin Verlander. I took him in round 15. Mm-hmm. And I'll take one or two chances in every draft, and I will. But Verlander, free agent, for one. Um, so you know where every signs are going to let him pitch. Two, he's going to pitch because they have no reason to hold him back because what are they waiting for, three years from now? He's only got a couple years left anyways. Um, and if he's healthy enough to pitch, that's the big question. That's the question. But if he's healthy enough to pitch and can go, I think around 15 is phenomenal. Even if he only throws like 130 innings, it's phenomenal. Is it a massive risk? Yes. Is it maybe a bad pick? Yes. But at this point in the draft, I'll take my chances on Justin Verlander because – we saw what Chris Sale did in a couple months. Say Verlander, again, Verlander's ahead of that schedule. So say Verlander gives us four months of Verlander. I'll take that around 15. I'll take that for sure. So I took a little gamble there around 15. I like it. I think it's great. Great, great place in the draft to do that. Well, what did you take in round 15? Or who- in round 15, I went with Colton Wong. Um, because of my start, starting with the two catchers, even though JTR is a fast dude. I mean, that dude just steals bases like you wouldn't believe. Um, but I still only had, because I had Sal Perez as my other pick, my first two hitters where I usually want to stack up on stolen bases. I only have like probably 11 projected stolen bases, something like that. So I still need that speed, but I'm starting to cobble it together with Grossman, Kelnick, Chisholm, um, and now Wong. And the thing about Colton Wong is, you know, he's on the Brewers. I think he's still going to be on the Brewers, right? He's, he he's, not, he's not a free yeah. agent. You know, he had some health issues this year, but 
I think the thing that I liked a lot is he's the type of guy who's really benefits from the change in home runs, you know, the decrease overall, like, like there was certainly, yeah, just the decrease in home runs from kind of bouncy ball situation, because he goes from a guy, you know, he hit uh, 14 home runs this year. Right. And he's in a much better uh, place to hit home runs, especially for lefties, you know, in Milwaukee, but you know, his projection next year is for 14 home runs. Honestly, if he gives me 14, you know, and 16 stolen bases with a good batting average, which he generally gives, I mean, he's not like as high a batting average dude as you would necessarily anticipate, but he's projected for 264. So he's definitely a plus in that department. Plenty of runs, you know, hitting first in that Milwaukee lineup. I just think he's like an all around solid guy, five, five category contributor, going about where he was going in drafts last year as well. Um, so I really like him a lot and for, for a team, you know, where I'm looking for speed late that doesn't necessarily compromise power too much that maybe helps me out in batting average. Cause I think that's another weakness with Kelnick and Grossman, um, and Chisholm and guys like that. So yeah, I just think it's a nice balance profile at second base. I'm into it. Yeah, no, I love Wong. Like that was a guy I pumped up last year. I think it's a great spot for him. So yeah, big fan of that pick. Yeah, and let me just check something really quick here. Yeah, so yeah, he had 20 barrels this past year, you know, five and a half barrel percentage, which was his best, you know, that he's had in a season. You know, his max exit velo was okay at 107.1. But yeah, I just, I like, I, I like that balance profile. Yeah, for sure. And then after that, I went with, I needed batting average and I'm a little torn on this pick. I love Michael Brantley. I love Michael Brantley. He's a great player. You know, the batting average is going to be there. And I really needed batting average at this point in time in the draft. I do have some issues with the pick just because there's not a lot of power there anymore. There's not a lot of speed. I mean, when you look at it, like he's pretty much the definition of empty batting average this year. But what I will say is if you go into drafting him, understanding that maybe he's not an every week guy for you in fantasy. For sure. So he had 508 plate appearances, 311, eight home runs, you know, 68 runs, 47 RBI. Let's see if he got a little on. Yeah, he got he got really unlucky actually with the on the home run department. He had 24 barrels and he only had eight home runs, which means that he only 33% of his home runs. So he's, he's bound to improve a little bit. But what I'd say is if you go in knowing that he's not necessarily an everyday guy, but when you play him, you're going to get the average regardless. And if you play him in the good matchups, you're going to get that and you can get some runs and you can get some RBIs, but you probably want to compliment him with a power or a speed guy, you know, probably a power guy, you know, like somebody that you can get later on and you're just kind of like, yeah, yeah, I, I can, I'll, I'll probably play him in 75% of the weeks, but in those tough matchups, I feel comfortable moving away from him. Go get Adam so, Duvall or something. Yeah, like like him and Duvall and Brantley, although Duvall is going to go like super high. Yeah, now he will. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, 118 RBI, 30 home runs. He probably ends up in Atlanta again. He's good defensively. Didn't he like win a gold glove or something like that? Or, I think he's one of the finalists. One of the yeah. finalists. Yeah. So... Yeah, so I, I really like him as just a really nice flexibility batting average pick who fit my team really well. No, I like that a lot. It's a good round 16. He's basically a outfield version, but a better version 
of uh, Luis Arias that everybody likes to get, but uh, he's in Houston and it's a lot better situation. So uh, I'll, and he'll give you more homers than Arias will. So I'm, I'm with you on that one for sure. Uh, my round 16 pick, I went back to the starting pitching well because pretty soon I'm not going to need to take any more starting pitching. It'll be all relievers and everything else. But um, again, it just kept falling. And I, I'm thinking that we saw 149 really interesting slash really good innings from Tariq Skubal this past year. And I think there's another layer to Tariq Skubal we haven't seen yet. Hopefully it's 180-plus innings of Tariq Skubal. But we saw a guy with an 18.5% K to walk, something I'm a big fan of. Um, he was almost 20% in 2020 in that shortened season and that short stint he had. But he was outstanding. His biggest issue at times was the home run ball. He saw the 20% home run of fly ball, which he had in 2020. Never had it in the, major, in the minors, but in the majors, he's had trouble with that. That happens. But if you can control the walks, those aren't as big of a deal. You can live with that. And it's still the AL Central, which outside of the White Sox, there's still a lot of goodness there to uh, to have some fun with. So I think Scooble could take the next step, I'm, and he's like my SP six or seven. So it's again, it's one of those guys I don't have to play all the time. And if he does take that next step, well, then it's finding and striking gold potentially. We'll see. But I think there's a whole other level to him, and uh, it's another big strikeout piece. Like I, I've, I've been preaching, I want strikeouts, strikeouts, strikeouts. Scooble's a massive strikeout guy, regardless of what else he does, and he's got a low four ERA. Like if you look at everything for an SP six or seven, it, he's not that bad. And he gives you the strikeout upside I'm looking for. So I went Scooble in round sixteen. I, I really like that pick a lot. Um, I didn't realize, honestly, I didn't realize that how good Scooble was. Yeah. Um, and like you mentioned, there's that room for upside. I, I was, I'm just looking at his, I'm just kind of looking at his profile. I, the, the walks being lower than league average, especially cause I feel like that was one of the concerns with him, mm-hmm. um, is an issue. He got that really low in the second half. Yeah. He um, worked on that a lot in the second half. Yeah. Like, it's just keep the ball in the ballpark. He'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, this is great. I love it. And I've been saying I don't have closers. Well, we went with a potential closer in round 17. And I went with Garrett Whitlock of the Boston Red Sox because Hansel Robles, who was in a committee list, he's a free agent. Um, Whitlock got two saves in September. He's got the better stuff, I would say. It's hard to argue that. Uh, if you look at Greg Jewett, who's now at uh, Reliever Recon, $3 a month, well worth your guys' money. Please help, help support that awesome cause because – we I, we use this on the show all the time. His charts and everything else, like I'll pony up three dollars, no problem. I told I I literally told him at FPAS, I'm like, you know, you could charge more for that, right? And he says, he's all, I, I'm not going to. Though. I'm like, okay, I'm just just let you know, you, you could charge more for that. But um, he Whitlock's the number one that he's got there. If you look at Ryan Roof's chart at Rotowire, uh, Whitlock's either there or still on a committee. So it's one of those guys that. Even if he doesn't start the year with it, I'm pretty confident he's going to have a good share of it at some point in time on what should be another pretty good Red Sox team, we'd imagine. Um, so I went with Whitlock because there was not a lot of guys left, closer-wise, at least that are locked in the jobs at this point. So now it's speculating on upside and potential. And to me, Whitlock was one of the better ones on the board at this point in time. Time will tell, but he was my round uh, 17 pick. Nice. Who would you take? All right. In round 17... I took uh, I took Rafael Ortega of the Chicago Cubs, and I'm a little torn on this because I think there's some uncertainty about what his role might be next year. There's always the off season; we don't know what they're going to do. But he seems like this the perfect kind of plug and play guy for them, where he did really well. I mean, it's hard. Like so, in 330 plate appearances this year, he hit 291 with 11 home runs. 12 stolen bases. 
you know, 44 runs, 33 RBI, not really even playing, you know, he is part of a platoon, which kind of sucked or he was towards the end of last year. It'll be interesting to see what they do, but he's got, he's got really good plate discipline, you know, 28.3 O swing. The contact's really good. Well above league average. So he's not going to strike out a lot. He's going to be on base. He's going to steal bases, you know, and, and when you look at his projection, Steamer has him at 522 plate appearances, 13 home runs and 16 stolen bases. Um, and so again, you know, that's assuming that he doesn't play the full season. You bump that up a little bit. You're looking at a very similar profile to Colton Wong, I think. And, and so, and those are the types of guys I need. I have like, you know, my Hoskins bat. I have my Perez at bat. I don't really have any guys that are negative power necessarily except for maybe Wong, but I don't have any like single digit guys. So I'm still feeling pretty good, like roster construction wise about my team. Again, he should be a good batting average guy. Uh, Steamer has him at a 249, you know, which seems, yeah, I guess it's somewhat reasonable. I would maybe peg him a little bit higher than that. He did have a higher BABIP, but he also had, you know, his highest max exit velocity at 109.5 by over two miles per hour. He had, 13 barrels, 5.7% barrel rate. Honestly, like he's identical to Colton Wong, the more I think mm-hmm. of, think about it, yep. except he is being platooned where Wong isn't necessarily being platooned. So a little bit less value, but that same type of profile that I really like because it's not hurting you anywhere and it's addressing some of the needs that I had. Yeah, leading off uh, for the Cubs is a big thing, or any team. But uh, if he stays hot, maybe the platoon goes away or he gets traded somewhere. We'll see. But I like that one a lot. Uh, breaking news, the Atlanta Braves are your 2021 World Series champions. Oh, they are. It is official. It is official. Man, for so. those of you watching us instead of watching the World Series, you guys deserve, like, some major credit. Did it just happen? Yep, 7 nothing. Yep, it's over. Oh, They're celebrating man. on the field as we speak. So, oh, yes. That's so nice. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, Braves fans have waited a long time. Yes, um, they have. In the good old TBS dynasty years. So, oh man, I used to watch the Braves all the time. They were my brothers. They were my ba- brother's favorite team. Yeah, we grew up in that era. It was that and WGN with the Cubs. So you got one of the two. That's how it always went. Oh yeah, I love those. I love the Cubs. Ryan Sandberg and Andre Dawson. Oh man, I got to watch this year. Two outs. <laughs> Bottom, my boy, my boy Yuli is up. Yeah, but he oh, grounded man. out to my shortstop. I know. Well, it seemed like Dansby Swanson was always ending series, wasn't he? Yep. Like yep. he was always the guy who got that last, that last thing here. And Will Smith also on my on this team. There you go. I'm just pumped to see Max. During the playoffs, I'm pumped right? to see Max Fried get that. That was awesome. There so. he is. Yeah, beautiful thing. There beautiful he thing. is. Wow. They right. did it. Who who was Holy your 18th? Moly. Who was your 18th round pick? Congratulations, Freddie Freeman. Dansby Swanson, he had a great interview the other day. I don't know if you saw that, man. It was fantastic. Um, All right, moving along. Now that real baseball is over, we can actually concentrate on the stuff that matters here. I mean, really, do we care about regular baseball people? Absolutely not. This this isn't about regular baseball. This is about fantasy baseball. Get your priorities straight. Exactly. All right, after that, all right, let me ask you a question. If I were to ask you, Marco Gonzalez, was he good this year or not? Um, he was for part like early and late, middle stunk because I rostered him in a lot of places. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, check this out. 
396 ERA, 117 whip. He only had 108 strikeouts in 143 innings, but you know, we'll give the guy a little bit of slack. He struggled through injuries. He did all that stuff, but gosh darn it. He's just a guy who can get a three ERA and a low whip because he doesn't walk guys. And yeah, I mean, he had a very high home run per nine, uh, 1.82, his highest in since he really became a major league pitcher on a reasonable basis. He was excellent. He was great. And so I'm getting this guy in a DC after pick 200, who I feel good about the ratios and yeah, the volume of K's isn't going to be great, but he's also, if healthy, he's going to throw 200 plus innings, you know, in a season and he'll probably end up getting 150 plus strikeouts. So the volume actually will not be that bad. I don't think on the K's as long as he's healthy, but he's also going to have those great ratios. The Mariners are an up and coming team. I think they're going to spend this off season and add some offense. And I think he's going to get some wins as well. And so I think I, lo- I like this pick a lot. I think he's going to fall in drafts. He's not the type of guy that guys like. I think people consider him to have a a failed this past year, which he did or he didn't depending, you know, but I think he's a reliable guy that you can throw out there in virtually every matchup and he's fine. I mean, he like, the only problem with him is he did well in games where he wasn't supposed to like his best game of the season came against the Dodgers, you know, where you don't start him of course. But again, like just a, a really nice, I think guy to have, like you mentioned before, I like the way you described Scooble as the guy you don't start all the time. Yep. But you kind of throw him in there, and he's your SP6, so it's fine. Life's well, good. And Marco Gonzalez is perfect for a draft and hold because he's not holding up a roster spot where every set Sunday you're sitting going, okay, should I drop him for this guy or should I keep him? Because like he's he's kind of on that border sometimes where he's not doing it. But then when you need him, you can plug him in, and he's usually, for the most part, productive. Like you said, the one thing he doesn't do, and it turns everybody off, is he doesn't strike out a lot of guys. Every once in a while, he'd have a big strikeout game, and for the most part, he's not a strikeout guy. But he's a quality start machine. He's a ratio guy. He does the little things like you said, an SP6, SP7. We're cool. And then a draft and hold where you can stash them and use them when you need it because other things happen. That's phenomenal. So uh, I'm with you there. He, he, he's he's much more would be in my wheelhouse for something like this. I'd probably still take him. That's be later for me in a, in a redraft format, like a, a fab league. But I, I like him a lot in this kind of format for sure. All right. I'm with my catcher too with my 18th round pick and I may have to get another catcher soon because we'll see what the blue Jays do. But I went with Alejandro Kirk planning for upside here. This guy that was injured off and on this season, but when he's healthy, we know he can hit. He finished with a 242 average, but he only struck out 11.6% of the time, flexed his muscle a bit. Um, he was just banged up a lot. That was the biggest thing with Kirk this year. Uh, the blue Jays could, could use him full time. Danny Jansen, good, but not great. I think Kirk's much better than him. I don't think many people argue that sentiment and i think it's just a health issue for the most part of alejandro kirk so i think that's my catcher too realizing i'll need to get you're gonna draft three to four catchers anyways but uh knowing that if he stays healthy and gets two-thirds to maybe three quarters of the playing time with toronto it's a win for me so i'll, I'll take kirk as my catcher too um round 19 i went with another closer now and this one's hoping that alex cole returns to minnesota because they have a mutual option and it's only $6.3 million, which is quite affordable. So I'd imagine Minnesota brings him back at worst to try to trade him. That's what I see. And so he was the closer this past year. They run him out there to get saves. Maybe he sticks with it. Maybe he doesn't. But year after year, people dog on Alex Colomay because, well, this year, 415 ERA, not great. But the guy still gets saves. He had 17 saves at the end of the year. He's had 12 or more saves in every season since 2016. 
So he's going to go out there. Some team's going to get him and use him to get saves. Still a 20% strikeout guy, not like Greg, because he walked almost 8%. But as a late-round saves option, I think I'll, I'll roll it off Colme. Hopefully start the year with, as a Minnesota closer. We'll see where it goes throughout the season. But teams are going to want to put him out there because he keeps getting it done. So I'll go with Alex Colme as my reliever, too, because, again, I'm hurting for a reliever. So who'd you go with in round 19? So the round 19, and before we do that, Bubba, changing of the guard. Braves yeah. have won their, their World Series. You know, know. Who's the 2022 champion? 2022 champion. Ooh, I like Cincinnati it. Cincinnati Reds, folks. I like it. I actually don't think the Reds are going to win the World Series. I just had this hat, and I <laughs> right before we went on air, I was like, you want to know something? I should say that this team is going to win the World Series. I don't think the Reds are going to win the World Series. Sorry, but I do like the Reds a lot. I like them a lot. Joey Votto deserves a World Series championship, just like Freddie Freeman did as well. Um. So moving on from that uh, prognostication, my next pick was uh, Gio Urshela. Uh, again, batting average was a, was an area where I was a little bit sore. Um, speaking of sore, Urshela was not healthy much of this season. Yeah. Um, you know, he really battled and struggled through some of those injuries. But when you look at the results, you know, he was a 442, 442 plate appearances, 267 batting average. 14 home runs, 42 runs, 49 RBIs. So not great, but um, but he he has like, you know, he still makes a ton of contact. He still has the same power metrics as he has before. We saw that contact rate slip a little bit. But again, he was battling some injuries, including I think it was the elbow at the beginning of the season. So I don't think he was necessarily right, but... I think the batting average is going to be really good. He's in a good lineup again. He was batting higher in that lineup towards the end of the season. I think that's one of the flaws that he has is, you know, he hits like eight or nine sometimes, but I think he's going to be up there and I think he's going to play every day. He's got the third base and shortstop eligibility, which in a DC is important as well. So I just felt like he was solid overall batting average boost, some flexibility positionally to rotate between corner and field and middle infield. So I felt, I felt pretty good about that one. Yeah, he's great. And then he coming back, healthy, it's phenomenal. Yep. Yeah. Pat coming back around the guy I'm going to draft for like the 30th straight year, Andrew McCutcheon, you know, again, it, McCutcheon, you know, he's coming back, you know, he's now two years removed from that, from that ACL injury. The batting average was down 222, but he had the lowest Babbitt of his career at 242 he still has fantastic plate discipline so he gets on base a lot the contact rate was still really good he still had 27 home runs ladies and gentlemen 27 home runs and 574 plate appearances he also had six stolen bases so he's not giving you a zero there you know he he was great higher higher barrel rate than he had had in his entire career 32 barrels last year um, his expected BA was higher than his, his batting average was. So again, I think he's very solid. It'll be interesting. I don't think, I think he's done, right? Or does he, yeah. um, a club option, which I, yeah, there you go. Which I mean, at 16.7 mil, I, I, they probably won't pick up, you know, but, um, but maybe they will wherever he ends up. I think, you know, he's still an everyday guy and he's still really good. He did all that in, in less than 600 plate appearances. So at this point in the draft, getting like a 2010 guy who's going to score a bunch of runs is something I can get behind. So I like it. 
Most definitely. Uh, my 21st or 20th round pick. Went with another closer. This one might be a little suspect. Carlos Estevez of the Rockies. He's RB eligible in 2022, so he'll be back with Colorado. Finished the season getting 11 saves. Again, the ratios were not ideal because, well, Colorado and many other factors, but still a 22% K rate, 14.4% K to walk, which has been 15 to 18% the previous two seasons. So maybe there's some room for growth there. Still a Colorado closer. Not fun, but, you know, in years past, Bard's been worth, like, you could still sling them out there to try to get saves. So Estevez would be a guy, and I don't even know if he'll keep the job. I had Victor on the, the show last week, and he broke down the Colorado bullpen possibilities, and he wasn't a big Estevez guy, and he made a lot of sense. So I, maybe I, I wasted a pick here. We'll see. But uh, maybe I'll go get some more of those options later and try to just get one of the worst bullpens in baseball. So that'd be great draft strategy for sure. But uh, he was my third closer again, chasing clo- saves, folks. This is what happens. You get stuck with guys like Carlos Estevez. So you, you know what I've always learn. said, Baba. I've always said get two lockdown closers early. <laughs> I feel like Toby Lock right now. Down. He got the early closers, and I'm going the late route. And I'm like, I'm feeling the pain. I right got, now. I got like the two heroes of the two hero closers of the playoffs. Kenley Jansen, who struck out like seventy percent of the guys. Clearly going to re-sign with the Dodgers. Lockdown closer. And then I got Will Smith, World yep. Series champion, putting Final the Red Braves hat. I would put the Braves hat back on, but it won't fit back on my head. So, <laughs> and um, then my, Yeah, my 21st round pick, another starting pitcher. Like, I just went on a pitcher's barrage here. But again, I kept going. I'm like, I can't pass on these guys. It might be fool's gold. It might be dumb here. But I got Nestor Cortez Jr., another guy that you know threw 93 pitch or 93 innings in with the bigs. He threw a total of like 110 innings between the minors and the bigs this year. So maybe get 140, 150. That rotation is still going to need some help this next year. You know, you got Garrett Cole. You might you have Jamison Ty on his at ankle surgery. There is, um, you know, Severino's coming back. Herman's coming back. There's there's a bunch of pieces there. But uh, Cortez held his own in a big big way. Over those 93 into 290 RA, 378 uh, FIP, 418 X FIP. So maybe some regression coming. But the biggest thing 20.9% K to walk rate. Get a 27.5% strike out of the 6.7% walk rate. That was absolutely outstanding. He kept doing it time and time again in the big stage in September for the Yankees. So I'll take him as a late round flyer as a as round 21 SP. Uh, Nestor Cortez Jr. could be, we'll see. Maybe they, they, Start him in AAA because they have enough starters. We'll wait and see. But I think he's a guy that deserves a spot in the rotation. And we'll wait and see how that goes. This is beautiful, Bubba. This is a beautiful pick. I mean, I think he's fantastic. Over his last five games, you read his season-long stats, which were absolutely fantastic. But he actually was better down the stretch. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, 79.7% in-zone contact rate. So dominant in the zone, very much above average over those last five games. 31.4% K rate and a 3.9% walk rate. That is a 27% plus elite K minus walk rate. I don't care if it's only five games. 32.6% O swing, 11.4% swinging strike. Let's break down the arsenal just really quickly, just to tout how good of a pitch this was. The four seam fastball played really well at 9.3%. Well, played decently at 9.3%. He's got two mediocre pitchers in the cutter and the slider. So he must have improved as the season progressed is going to be what I'm going to guess um, just in terms of like the way his pitch is played, or he probably had like a really nice CSW or something. I don't know. One of those ones we're going to have to investigate and kind of look a little bit more deeply to figure out what he was doing. That was so successful. But anytime anybody puts over those stats over a five game stretch, Bubba, I'm super on board. You're 
Uh, I really like this. Uh, I really like this pick a lot. Well, I'm going to get all the starting pitching stats. I don't know if I'll get anything else, but I got, I'm going to have that locked down. <laughs> um, for sure. What did you get for around uh, 21 and 22? Um, I went with Lane Thomas. Um, I like that Lane a lot. Thomas yep. was fantastic last year. This year, I guess. I don't know. It's last year now, Bubba. <laughs> How quickly times have changed. We're already talking about last year. In 264 plate appearances, the guy had seven home runs and six stolen bases. He only had a 235 batting average, but all the metrics are really nice. 23.5% O swing, so really good plate discipline. Get on base. He walked at a 14% clip. Uh, 81.1% overall contact rate, which is much better than league average. So the K rate, you know, should be should be down there. Um yeah, I mean, if you look at his projection again from Steamer, 483 plate appearances, 16 home runs, 11 stolen bases. So again, a guy who's kind of contributing everywhere. The batting average is a little bit low, but I think it can play up a bit. Max EV was the highest it's been, 109.1. Not that he had a lot of previous experience, but all we need to know is this guy's a former St. Louis Cardinals outfield prospect. <laughs> we know how this ends, people. MVP, yep. next time. Come on. 7.3% barrel rate, you know. It all really makes nice. sense to me. It's, just all, it's all good there. And he's going to be leading off for the Nationals, theoretically, with, you know, not Trey Turner, but Juan Soto behind them and some other players. Kybert Ruiz, who's on your team. You know, there's other guys who, who are there. I just can't remember what their names are, Bubba. Who else is there? <laughs> they have still? Juan Soto, Kyber Ruiz. I'm just going through the diamond. Lane uh, Thomas. They have Lane Thomas. Don't forget him. Yeah, they have Lane Thomas. I'm trying to think who else they have. No, Luis Garcia. Um, I Carter, Ke- really Carter like Keboom. I, I like Luis Garcia. Carter Keboom maybe can get something Carter figured Keboom. out. That, I am asking for good players, Bubba. There's I, nobody this, else. This is That's the struggle, it. bus. This is the struggle. Oh, they have Josh it. Bell. Josh Bell. Josh Bell. Josh Bell. Yes, Josh, Josh Bell. Bell, who, by the way, ended up having a fantastic stud. Absolutely season. underappreciated stud. Yes. Super underappreciated. He will be driving in Lane Thomas and Juan Soto repeatedly. And if next he can't, Kyber Ruiz will. So we'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is a great pick. So Lane Thomas, I love Lane like, Thomas. I love. I mean, I, I like it too. I mean, honestly, like I have a, pun- a bunch of leadoff hitters. But I'm going to get a ton of plate appearances, hopefully. Yep. Knock on wood. Name of the game. Knock on wood. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, people. And then my next pick, I love this pick, Bailey Ober. Yeah. There's not much else to say. I love Bailey Ober. Actually, the numbers when I dug into them, like maybe weren't as good as I wanted them to be, like in terms of the plate discipline metrics over the last little bit. But he was not walking anybody. Um, the strikeouts weren't as nice as you'd like them to be, but I really like Bailey Ober heading into next year. Um, for the twins, I think he's got a nice arsenal. I think he's young. I think he can improve. Um, and so I really like Bailey Ober. Ober. So that was, that was, that was the pick. And then I, I should probably do my usual thing here where I actually tell you what the metrics said. So Bailey Ober. 20.3% 20.3% K minus walk, 25.3% K, 5% walk, 11.4% swinging strike rate, O swing at 35.4%. Love that. You know, strikeouts 96 and 92 innings, that's fine. ERA 419, that's fine. Whip 42, you know, that's fine as well. It's got to do a little bit better on the home runs, 
per nine, but maybe that's an area where he can get a little bit of positive regression. So I really like both Bailey overheading into next year. I'm interested to see like spring training, I think will be really important to know like kind of where he's at. Um, if he has a, if he has a rotation spot lockdown and stuff, but I really like him heading yeah, into next uh, year. I don't blame you at all. We saw some really high moments from him this past year. So we'll have to see if he keeps building on that. So I, I don't mind that at all at that point in the draft. My next two picks, my final two picks, round 22 and 23, I kept my multi-position eligibility train running, and I got a guy with some speed and his flexibility everywhere in Jorge Mateo of the Baltimore Orioles. This might be too early for some, but for people that need steals, you're going to love him because he's been, he got 10 steals last year in up and down limited time, but back-to-back years of 20-plus in the minors. He had 20 or more steals, 24 more steals in four or six years in the minors. Or no, in the four straight years never mind four straight years in the minors in 2019 19 home runs and 24 stolen bases so the power started to develop i like that quite a bit he's gonna be playing in camden yards which is always our camden yard which is always very very nice but the biggest reason i get him i mentioned the flexibility part he's going to have second base eligibility he's going to have shortstop eligibility and he's going to have outfield eligibility so he's gonna be able to give me my middle infield positions and the outfield which I will take in and run with in, in this format in a big, big way. My round 23 pick was another guy in Hunter Dozier, who I'm always a big fan of, and this last year was a rough one if you look at the, the grand scheme of things. But if you break it down, he was injured a lot often on the first four months or so. It was it's a roller coaster ride of injuries. He was healthy to finish the season, and just the month of September alone, he hit 272 with a 304 ISO, a 141 WRC+. plus. He had... 14 extra base hits, six of those home runs, and he even stole two stole two bags. Because that's the one thing we love about Hunter Dozier is there's power and there's speed. Like he's projected to have 15 homers and five stolen bases. He had five steals last year. We've seen him hit his he had 16 homers last year in an injury riddled season. Um, we only hit 216. So I, I like what we can get from Hunter Dozier. And again, the flexibility thing I was talking about. He's gonna have first base, third base, and outfield eligibility. So Mateo had my middle infield and outfield. Hunter Dozier will have my corner infields and my outfield wrapped up. So now I'm just building flexibility on this team and uh, getting some steals, getting some powers, getting guys I can plug in and out depending on matchups throughout the week. And it's something I really, really, especially if you do the Monday through Thursday and the Friday through Sunday part, uh, I'm a big fan of having players like this in a, in a DC format because I had too many guys. Like I, remember, I mentioned at the very first episode, I had one league where I was at a first baseman for all of September. I had three first basemen on my roster. I had none left in September. So I want to just, it's it's maybe I maybe I'm gonna, I'm gonna overdo it in flexibility, but uh, these are guys I had circled. There's a few more that are out there right now that I had on my list that we'll see where they fall in the draft. But those are my final two picks, round 22 and 23. And with my final pick, and this one I was just kind of lost in the woods. Honestly, I was like, I have no idea what to do right here. I have not prepared accordingly. Let's look at some names and and think about what might make sense. And I kind of like this pick a little bit more than when I made it. Honestly. Um, and that's Brandon Marsh of the Angels. Uh, obviously has prospect pedigree. He's got a little bit of the home run, uh, stolen base, you know, um, whatever you want to call it, thing going for him. You know, he's got a little power speed. Check this out, though. Dude hit two home runs last year. Guess how many barrels he had. Yeah, he hit the ball hard a lot. Yeah. He had 16 say, barrels. Yeah. He was he bad luck. 16 barrels and two home runs. His barrel rate per batted ball event was 10.3%, which is fantastic for a guy, especially who has six stolen bases playing in one of the best power parks for left-handed hitters 
in Angel Stadium. Um, yeah, I mean, six stolen bases, 260 plate appearances, 254 batting average, although that was lucky with a 403 BABIP. You know, definitely some contact issues. I'm going to check out in a second whether he improved that contact. Um, so he needs, he, he needs to improve that for sure. But he's got the power and speed. He's still a young dude. He's still 23. Um, he should get some run in that outfield. You know, the projection isn't fantastic for him. 11 home runs, nine stolen bases. But I think there's a lot of upside here. And then let's just take a look like at his last 20 games or so. Um, I just want to check out to see if there was any improvement in the contact rate, because honestly, I would, you know, if we see some of that, I might freak out. Oh, there's improvement in the contact rate, ladies and gentlemen. This is breaking news. In zone contact rate over his last 20 games was 86.1%, which is better than league average. And his overall contact rate was 72%. So he was missing on a lot more balls on pitches outside the zone, which is not necessarily a bad thing because you're not going to make good contact. But that's still reasonable overall contact rate. The O swing was solid throughout. It improved as the season progressed. Hard hit rate was great, 45.5%. The ground ball rate even dipped maybe a little bit, a smidge. He still needs to work on that, but I'm sold. Brandon Marsh, top 10 round guy moving forward in your drafts, draft him there or be sorry. Not like really. really, I like Marsh. There's a lot to like with Marsh. I don't know if he's an every week starter, but he's definitely got the upside to keep going. Cause like you mentioned, I remember playing him in DFS a lot because you look at the skills he had out there and you're like, eventually this is going to translate and just never did, but the skills are there and that means it's going to come. So I'm a big fan of that, and we'll see. The biggest question will be is how do they work that out when Trout comes back? Is it Marsh and Adele with him? Like that whole conglomerate is going to be interesting. But Upton is Upton still there? I'm not sure. That's like there's there's a lot of pieces in. uh, Well, thanks for raining on my parade. I was all. I still said it's a great Brandon Marsh. I was Brandon Marsh top ten rounds, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna hold it back. Well, let's have a fun parade now of listener questions. And we're going to have a lot of fun with this. And the one thing I'm going to say right now, you guys have great questions. Not sure how great we're going to answer these because we can't read all the board. And a lot of these questions involve like who had the the like reach, biggest reach and stuff like that. We might miss things. I'm just going to throw that out there right now because it's hard to, to really analyze the board right now. We'll do our best. But for the most patient listener guest question on the planet, we're going to start with Ryan Roof right out the gate from Rotowire. Biggest surprises of the draft, hitter and pitcher. Maybe someone went way earlier than you initially expected or fell way later than expected. Well, this one's tough because, you know, you never want to criticize picks, right, of other people. That's most of our questions, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Who who, who do you want to throw under the bus on the podcast? Dave McDonald. I mean, you know, one that stood out, you know, and again, these things could end up being sounding really foolish, but Matt Barnes, I think went in the mm-hmm. um, eighth round. Yeah. Um, and so that one really jumped out at me and is kind of not necessarily being where, where he should be. Uh, I just think he's, he's super inconsistent and he had the best half season of his life early on. And I just don't think he's ever shown that consistency throughout his career. So I'd be very surprised if he's the Red Sox closer Um even though he's got that contract, you know, it could be the case. Maybe he works it out and I dropped you know, the Red Sox good. closer. So we're good. But um, yeah, 
but um, I think that's a little early with, with so much uncertainty is what I would say. Um, a pitcher that I think went earlier than he should have. And I'm, you know, it might be crazy talk because at least he pitched a little bit to finish the season out. But in my mind, and people are disagree probably, Noah Syndergaard going like six rounds earlier than Justin Verlander, I think was a bit of a reach. Like there's a lot of other quote unquote healthy pitchers. I'd rather take a chance on than Noah Syndergaard at that point in the draft. I get how good he is. I get the upgrade he can get. I get that um, this was this was a Spores pick. Now that I look at the team, I didn't even see who it was at first. I, I, I understand a lot of the, the quote unquote plus sides of things. To me, if you're going to take the risk, like, Again, I might be biased because I took Verlander, but I waited like six rounds to take my risk where Syndergaard has to hit a little more for where you took him at than later in a draft. So I guess that would be one of the reaches for me. Um, what Was there a hitter that stood out to you at all? Oh, a hitter reach? Yeah, he had a pitcher and a hitter. Um... I'll take one if you want. And I know he kind of talked about it before. And again, I could be foolish because he could light the world on fire. I still can't take Wander Franco as early as he goes. Mm, in the second. Yeah. yeah. But I could be totally wrong. Like the, the tools are there. I just don't know if it's happening just yet. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good call. Um, you know, one that jumped out at me, like just when the picks were being made was. Um, it's hard. It is. Uh, but Jorge Polanco. Um, Jorge Polanco went in the sixth round, which to be fair, I mean, there's five, five category contribution there. So if he replicates something similar to what he did last year, then he can certainly, um, he can certainly return that. And he went in the sixth round. So we're talking pick like probably like, what is that? 76 through 90, something like that. Um, but you know, I just think that he was fully healthy this year, you know, 644, 644 plate appearances. Um, that's his second most to 2019, you know, his most home runs um, as well. Let's see that what that barrel rate was. So he had 48 barrels and 33 home runs. So about, you know, 75% ish of his home runs. So that number will probably come down. You know, the steals haven't been there as consistently. But, you know, then again, the batting average could be could be better as well. So that one just kind of jumped out at me. And it's less that I dislike the pick because I think Polanco can be really good and he's a five category contributor. So there's a lot of ways that he can kind of get back. But I also am always hesitant to go after those guys who had career years where kind of everything went well for them because it's hard to do that sustainably. But um, so that one just kind of jumped out at me as a guy who I thought might go like two or three rounds later mm-hmm. and who I'd love to have at that point in time where I'm maybe a little bit less excited about having that him. At the- yeah, I remember when he was picked, I was like, oh, I like Corey Plonk a lot. Wow, that might be early. We'll see. <laughs> it was like because we're I guess part of it's, you know, are you paying for last year's season? Yes, you're paying a lot because what we like you said, where we used to be able to draft him and everything, which obviously you're not going to get that discount anymore. But. Yeah, it's really interesting to see uh, how that one pans out. But that's the part about drafting early. I, I, he's one of those guys we talked about. Some guys that might move up. He's a guy that probably ends up in like round nine or ten by draft by like February or March. So uh, it could be the total opposite of things. Like um, I think there's a, a value one later that I'll, I'll mention later that in, one, in one of our questions. Um, less than Dave, Mister Dave McDonald asks, 
which teams do you think set themselves up the best through the first 23 rounds? Um, this is where it gets tough trying to read everybody's team. To be totally yeah, honestly, like I can't read everybody's team. And also, honestly, I didn't really pay attention to what other people were doing. So <laughs> uh, I know Bubba's team pretty well. Yeah, um, I, know Toby's I like team. to think my team is positioned to do really well, but I hope you'd feel that way after the draft is over. Um, but yeah, I, I, can't, I can't literally cannot see the draft board well enough to know like who, who all's there. You asked some really difficult questions, Dave. Yes. Um, um, which is not a criticism. We love the questions, but I, I know, know. I know um, drafting next to Simeon because I was kind of watching his pick for, and he took a couple of mine and vice versa. Yeah. I liked where he was at, like where his his kind of lane was going. So, like I said, I, like I saw his and knew what he was doing. Uh, one thing I do like seeing is team eight. eight. Um, they got corner infield and outfield locked up pretty good. So I think that's just on paper something to to kind of uh, go over like we've talked about before with third base getting shallow quickly, like his first two picks were uh, J Ram and Machado. That could be Mm. tremendous as the season goes on because third base is so rough. Uh, So that's something that definitely six straight hitters though, to start a draft. That's where again, that's what stood out. That's why it's interesting. But now he doesn't have to worry about third base the rest of the draft, but where's his pitching going to stand? That's going to be like Ian Anderson. I think Kyle Hendricks, Zach Granke, Sonny Gray, that's some Chris Paddock. That's uh, a lot of questions right there. (laughs) A lot of guys that are on my do not draft list for the most part, but we'll see. We'll see how that pans out. But I like where his bats were, but that's kind of the yin and the yang. Do you, how do you attack it? Like people are going to say it and I know they're probably right. I took a lot of starting pitcher. So if, if that makes my, like my starters are good offensively, I think, but now I'm going to have to get really good with my reserve picks on uh, my, my, my bats and hopefully my pitching holds up. So that's one, one, the least criticism I'll give mine. And I can totally accept if someone says I took too much pitching, totally get it, but I don't have to reach for a bunch of potential pitchers in my mind. So we'll see how that plays out. All right. Dave had a couple more questions here. Um, where is the best talent left positionally? Do you have a rough idea on that one, Toby? I, I really don't. Um, <laughs> I would say outfield. It's still. it's super thin. Yeah. After it's 23 super rounds. Thin. Yeah. I mean, this is where I think this is where the off-season research comes into play because you develop firmer ideas of what guys in this range of the draft can, you know, you like. Because at this point, like, I mean, honestly, it's it was brutal. Like I was trying to pick a guy and I was like, I, I think I picked four guys that were already picked before I actually got somebody. Um, so yeah, yeah. I just think, um, yeah. I, I think yeah, the outfield brutal. still has some flexibility there. It went, it, it's pretty dry. Don't get me wrong, but I think there's still some outfield availability and middle infield is still pretty deep. You got a lot of the middle infield to play with. That's one thing I'd say. Now, is it strong middle infield? We'll see, but there's still middle infield to play with. Um, and then his last question is for you, Toby. He says, I love Toby's approach with aces, catchers, and closers early in a DC. I, I love my approach too. But can you get enough stolen bases? Well, let's count them up. Uh, Sal Perez, zero. JT Realmuto, like 11. Uh, Chisholm, let's give him 20. So that's 31. Bregman, zero. Uh, Grossman, let's give him 15. So what is that? 31 plus 15 is 46. Kelnick, let's give him 12. So then I'm at 57. Um, Kelnick, 57. Hoskins projected for five. So I'm just going to give him that. That's 62. Uh, Then we got, I can't even keep an eye on my thing. Then I've got Colton Wong. 
let's give him uh, let's give him 12, 62. That's 74. Then we got Michael Brantley. Let's give him like two. So what am I at now? What am I at now? I'm at 62, 74, 76. Then I got Rafael Ortega. He's projected for 12. So that's 88. Then I've got Andrew McCutcheon. He's probably projected for like six. So that's 94. And then I also have Lane Thomas, who's projected for 11. So that's 108. And then I have Brandon Marsh, who's projected for 11. So that's 119 stolen bases right there. Um, and exactly. So I feel pretty good, actually. And it's super balanced. Like every single one of my hitters, not every single one of them, but most of my hitters provide that type of stuff. I don't know how balanced my offense is, though. But I don't think that speed will necessarily be a weakness. I don't necessarily think I'll win the category, but I also don't think that I will um, necessarily struggle in that. Yeah, uh, I'm 100% on board with you on that one. Our buddy Dusty Wagner has a question for us. Who are the top risk-reward players in your eyes from round 15 to 23? 15 to 23. And re- honestly, like this is, we don't, we hate to make light of the board, but like I can't see the board super well. Um, so let's see. Let's go through it. I made I made a list of some so okay. far. I've been kind of scanning you're, it. You're better than I am. You go first, and then I'll look. Um, I'm like halfway through the the board, but a few that stand out. Casey Mize could be that guy if he's he's basically a Scooble type. I like Scooble more for the strikeout upside, but Casey Mize could take that next step to being a pretty quality starter for you. Uh, two bats that really stood out: Joe Adele. If he finally takes that leap, he's a, a phenomenal pick in this spot, like a like outstanding pick in this spot if he takes that jump. And then another guy who's going to, I think, move up draft boards sooner than later, Bobby Dahlbeck. Uh, what he did, especially the last month or so of the season, where we saw the contact skills are ridiculous, but the strikeout rate dropped a bunch. If that is sustainable, a guy like Bobby Dahlbeck could be an absolute steal at this point in the draft uh, at the at a quarter infield spot. So those are three guys that stood out for me as I was kind of perusing what I could read on these boards. Yeah, I, I love that Dahlbeck call. I really like Bobby Dahlbeck as well. Um, I wanted to grab him, but he went right before I went. Some guys like Josh Bell, I think, went in the mm-hmm. 16th round. I think yep. that's fantastic. Jorge Soler, Adam Duvall went in the 16th round as well. I mean, that's uh, terrific as far as I'm concerned. Um, there's actually like quite a bit, quite a few that I like. Mark San- Kana. Santander is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Kana went... Um, which I really like. Yeah. Lane Sant- Thomas. Santander. Lane Thomas. Great team um, that he's on. Uh, who were the other guys? John Means yeah. uh, in the 16th round, which I thought was a really good pick there um, from a pitcher. Um, Ashby on the Brewers. I really like yeah. that pick as well. I mean, he was absolutely dominant down the stretch. I mean, it's hard to really say like how dominant he was. Um, so I, I really, I really like him. He was really good. You know, there's just like, um, yeah, it's really hard. It would be so much easier if I could actually see this board yeah. on it. In like a week or two, we're going to be able to, that's all I know. In a week or two, yeah. it's supposed to be up and loaded. We'll be good to go. So, yeah. And we'll, we'll post the clean one up so everyone can read it and stop making fun of what we're, they can realize yeah. what we're looking at. We'll put the, well, we'll like, put the before like and Alex after. Cobb. There's Christian Javier. Yeah. Christian you know, Javier could be a big we're one. We're going really late. Yeah. So there's definitely Jesus Lazardo, you know. No one on no one on Mike Curlin's team at all. No one. 
Oh, I like some of Mike's. Mike's I, know. I, just, I just want to see if he's actually listening. Um, Will, Will Garofalo has a question. You, for your team alone, favorite pick in round 15 through 23? Fifteen through twenty-three. Um, probably My Bailey team. Ober. Bailey Ober. Mine's Nestor Cortez, so I'm a big fan of that. Um, and then one pick in pick fifteen through twenty-three. You wish you could throw back. Fifteen through twenty-three. I wish I could throw back. I don't know. It's so hard. Honestly, I'm, there's, there, I'm not disappointed in any of those picks necessarily. I do think like the one thing I was thinking about is you know Ortega and Ortega is interesting, but he's also 30. Yeah. So it's like, he seems like the perfect guy to be that bridge between, I think like Brennan Davis is the really good prospect who plays yep. center field for the Cubs. So he he's kind of like the perfect bridge player to get to Brennan Davis, but you never know when these type of like utility journeyman guy are actually going to get a shot. Like he could have a really bad spring training and just not even be playing. And so I think there's some like uncertainty. And so having Ortega and Thomas who, I don't know if Thomas is part of the future in Washington. I mean, based on everything I've seen, he should be, but he's not necessarily a highly regarded prospect. He is a former Cardinal outfielder though. So that should get increase his pest prospect pedigree. So I'm just not sure. So if one of those guys didn't actually end up being in the opening day lineup, like would I be that surprised? Maybe not. But I also think that they are, you know, pretty, pretty solid contributors, like the type of guys that I want to have and get in that spot. So yeah, I mean, I, I feel pretty good about it. And it's also really hard because in the draft, you're much more cognizant of things like team construction and who else is available on the board. Like Gio Urshela, I don't love that, but I also know that I need batting average pretty badly. And, and that's not easy to get, you know, towards the back end of the, of the draft. So I'm, I'm okay. I don't really have anybody that I'm really hating on that I drafted. Yeah, mine, mine would be Carlos Estevez. I could probably do without that pick. The more I look at it, that was a that was a reeking of desperation pick. So now that goes there. Uh, Liam at Freed Mines has a great question that I'm going to save for a future show because I think we'll, we'll give him a better answer. He basically asked, guys, you're avoiding next year at all costs. I think that'll be when we do some more uh, digging for 2022, it'll be a much better answer for you. Yeah, once we have like ADP established too, because I think that's yeah. the major piece for that everyone's one. got a price everyone's got a price. yeah 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 it's a it's a great question liam and and it's more like you know there's no player there's there may be some players that i just totally take off my board for whatever yeah. reason but it's too early to know that and it's also too early to know what um you know what the draft pick is going to be of these guys what the adp is of these guys and that will tell you like really whether you want to draft yeah. somebody or not Yep. So we will definitely bring back to you. Ask Ryan Roof. I'm, I'm a man of my word. We will get back to you on that. I will Bubba, save it. Integrity. It Bubba's, yes. this is so funny. But Bubba's middle name is actually Integrity. Yeah. Which is it, crazy. It's, it's true. It, uh, Toby figured it out. He's a smart man right there. But yeah, it's it's true. My 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 name spells by B I E. So uh, yeah. it's like pie because it makes sense. I love pie. But um, it is the season of pies. It Bubba. is. As Shelly uh, tweeted out. Yes. What's your favorite kind of pie? Well, I grew up with a um, an appetite that wasn't very diverse. So I grew up forever with being just pumpkin. And then my um, grandpa made, makes a homemade pumpkin cheesecake, which is kind of cheating, but outstanding. Ooh, I like that. Um, the one that I've been getting in love with now, if we get from the Avila Barn down in Avila Beach, or there's this bakery in Paso Robles that has these phenomenal pies now. 
It's a, I think it's not Edelberry. It's uh, I'm a screw up. It's this El- really elderberry. El- elderberry, I think. Elderberry. I don't know. It's it's, it's some berry. elderberries are super healthy for you. Yeah, it's some like really really fruity good berry pie that with like a nice vanilla ice cream. Perfect. Nice. Well, I'm you? a cream. I'm a cream pie guy. Okay. Like coconut cream pie, banana cream pie, chocolate cream pie. Like I love pumpkin pie? pie as well. Key lime pie. Like I like pretty much every pie. I would say coconut cream pie though. It would be my absolute favorite. Your favorite. See, I'm not a coconut guy, so I can't do it. But uh, Man, a, I respect it all. For you. Yeah, I, did. I, I I miss out on a lot of things. People don't think that when they see me. They think I eat everything, but it's not true. It's very not true. Um, but yes, no, it is the season of pies. I can't wait. Uh, we already got our pies ordered for Thanksgiving, so I'm a very, very it's, – it's, they make one at this bakery in the past that I was talking about. It's a um, like a apple crisp apple pie. It's oh, absolutely amazing. So Apple very, pies very, can be really good. Apple yeah. fritters are my favorite. Yeah, that's my, that was my dad's good. favorite growing oh, up. I always dude. had a maple bar. He had an apple fritter. That was always oh, apple fritters, dude. Yep, apple going to the ball, fritters. going to play little league on Saturday mornings. Going to the shop. That was a tradition. So, dude. yep, warm apple um, fritters. A couple more questions for you guys here. Uh, ben Tid, our buddy, asks: After third base and catcher, which position thins out the quickest to you? Closers. <laughs> Closers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really hard to do a positional. Obviously, I, honestly, I don't have like a really comprehensive view of each one of the positions. So I don't want to give you a bad answer, Ben. I think as we go through like the different position previews, as we generally do, you know, we'll kind of get get to where that but uh, third base stood out to me, maybe first base. I don't know that 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 wanted to hop in my head. But I'm also thinking like Josh Bell was available in the 16th. Yeah, I got Hoskins where I got him. Yeah, never mind. First base. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I was half joking, but I think closers go way too fast. Yeah, like qualified closers. It went super fast, and they'll go maybe quicker in DCs. But I think it's also everybody's kind of in this position where they're like, I I need me some closers pretty bad. So yeah, we'll see how that evens out in in a couple months for sure. Um, our buddy, the doc, Mike Carter asks, um, how, how about you give us someone you were sniped on? Uh, I was sniped a bunch by, um, Simeone. Um, okay. Simeone was good. Simeone Let me go through good. this. Um, he got me on Yasmati Grandal. I'm just going to say it. He got me so good on that one. I was so angry that one. And I know it was a first round pick, but I had J Ram circled. I looked at Simeone. I said, the guy right there that isn't sitting in front of us is going to take J Ram. I know it. And he started laughing, and then Jose Ramirez off the board. So yeah. that was mine. Um, I would say Jonathan India was somebody, a player that I really wanted. And I would say Brian Reynolds was probably the biggest one, is what yeah. I would say. Reynolds was a good one. A good one indeed. So that'll wrap up our questions, and that'll wrap up our three-part recap. Sorry if we couldn't get to all your questions appropriately. If you look at the thing, the board we tweeted out, you'll understand why. When we get a more clear board, if you'd like, I can tweet answer things for you or something. If you'd like some more talk on it or something, but it's uh, it's it's complicated is the best way I can say it. It was a blast drafting. It was a blast recapping it, getting our, our wheels turning. But final thoughts, Toby, as we get ready to just do some positional previews in the coming weeks, because no. or recap or recaps, whatever whatever comes first. No, yeah, it was um, it was really fun to do the draft. Um, to kind of get into it. First pitch Arizona was fantastic. Highly recommend that for people who are able um, to make it. Yeah, it was, um, it was great. It was fun to go through this draft really got me excited for next year. 
I'm going to have a little bit of a different approach though in drafting this year. I'm not going to do the super early drafts like I have in the past. I think I'm going to wait until a little bit later on. My teams that I draft later with a little bit more certainty tend to do better. I also just want to clear my head a little bit. I got I got burnt out this past season, so yep. but it was a lot of fun and I want to do my research before I really start drafting guys. So we'll see. Yeah, for sure, but Part of the research will be talking to you guys about some positions and stuff that'll kind of get us thinking about things and throwing things off each other and figuring it out. So we'll be getting that going here in the coming weeks for you guys, as usual. Um, I'll start doing some best balls for fan, like ten dollar ones. Like I don't do a lot. It's literally just to keep my brain moving in the thing. It's ten bucks, and I, you know, I did okay in those, but it's literally just to kind of keep the player pool learning together. The the higher price stuff, I'll wait like you did because mine were the same. They were better as I waited. So this literally just to kind of get the feet wet, but I'll start those. I want to say December, maybe we'll throw one in around Thanksgiving for fun. Like, cause I usually tweet out the link for listeners or whoever can join. It's fun. We just enjoy it. And it's a slow draft. So we'll get those going here in the coming weeks. But uh, I'm with Toby. I was burned out this year. I was, I usually have like rankings out and stuff and it's been really hard for me to get going. So it's like, I just like slowly going through the motions, but we're getting closer. I got like half of them done. So. We're slowly getting there, but um, we'll be back with you guys in the coming weeks. You can check out Toby on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. I am at BDentric. The Braves are your 2021 World Series champions, and we'll be back with you guys next time. See you. That's going to wrap us up for episode 197 of the BatFlip Crazy podcast and uh, edition number 101 of Bubba and the BatFlip. Thank you so much for listening. Um, congratulations to the Atlanta Braves and their fans um, for the World Series victory. Um, bummer uh, to the uh, Houston Astros, who also had a great season, um, a great team. and But one, one, one team has to win, and the Braves were certainly uh, the hottest team and probably the best team over the, ba- the, la- the last little stretch here. So congratulations to them. Best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball research. If you start drafting, best of luck on that. Take care and be kind to one another.